TED Audio Collective. This TED Talk features farmer and entrepreneur Eric Sanarud, recorded live at TEDx St. Cloud 2018. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here to keep a pulse on environmental trends. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in electric vehicles, renewable energy, water sustainability, and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas you believe in. Schwab's research uncovers emerging trends, then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is or customized to better fit your investing goals. All in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment in Advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. If you're like me, you've always got some projects started that you haven't finished just yet guilty. With any project, it always helps to have the right tools. That counts for managing money, too. The cool thing is the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is the perfect tool if you have big-ticket purchases coming up or even if you just need to take care of some debts. With a low-intro APR for 18 billing cycles, make sure you have the right tool to help you manage your money. Check out what you can get accomplished today and apply at usbank.com slash platinum. Limited time offer, the creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. Some restrictions may apply. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. So what do people usually say when you're about to give a public talk? It's to imagine that your audience is naked, right? (laughs) Well, I'm doing a different trick tonight, and I'm going to imagine all of us without farmers. And, well, it's not so much different. (laughs) (laughs) And our farmers do so much more for us than simply feed and clothe and provide us excellent things to drink. Our farmers are an important part of all of our communities, particularly our rural communities. And more than that, they're a strong driver of resilient economics. So think about it this way. When a brewer buys hops from me, grown here in Minnesota, 90% of that dollar stays in our state, compared to just 10% when they buy from somewhere else. What that means is a lot. That 90% means local jobs. It means tax revenue for better schools and roads. It means support for the co-ops, the mechanics, all the support staff that are needed for a farm to thrive. And they're our best stewards of the land. This quote, I think, exemplifies what our family farmers do for us in stewarding our shared natural resources. That land as a community is the basic concept of ecology. But that land is to be loved and respected is an extension of ethics. Now, They sure do a lot of good stuff for us. And our family farmers are great, we would all agree. However, the trends in agriculture today are dire. The average age of a farmer in America, according to the latest agricultural census, 58.3. Of all the farmers, 33% are 65 plus. 
But to put that in perspective, another important public service job teaching, average age of teachers is 42. So our farmers are pretty old in this country. And unfortunately, when they retire, when they retire, if they retire, we're not really replacing them. Of all the farmers that we added in this country between 2008 and 2012, across the entire United States, we added 2,000 under the age of 30. I'm one of those. Um, I'll be around autographs and photos later if you'd like. <laughs> but, you know, we're, our farmers are getting older and we're not replacing them. What's going on here? What are we going to do? And I think there's a reason folks aren't coming into it, and that's prices. Milk. This is the retail, average retail price of a gallon of milk in the United States. $4.49. How much do you think the farmer gets? $1.32. $1.32. We'll try it again with bread. Average retail price of bread in America, $3.49. Farmer gets 12 cents. And so how are we supposed to have strong local farms in this scenario? What are we supposed to do if there aren't any local farmers left? And this isn't just a farmer problem. It's not just something for the few of us farmers to sort out. This is an all-of-us problem. This is rural, and it's urban, and it's statewide, and it's nationwide. So what do we do about it? I'll tell you that. But first, a story. The Green Movement, we're all kind of familiar, started in the 60s planting trees, and now we've come such a long way. Green is part of our day-to-day -day lives. It's part of the day-to-day -day lives of Fortune 500 businesses. It's the subject of international treaties, the subject of presidential debates. You and I, we switch our light bulbs, we recite we use reusable bags. We participate in the Green Movement each and every day. Yet, and this is how we get to the idea. The food movement, relatively younger, but also somewhat familiar, I imagine. You go to the grocery store, you see a sign that says, buy local. You go to the farmer's market, you go to the co-op, you read books by prominent authors. The food movement to date could be summarized as voting with your fork. Right? The idea is you pull a dollar out of your wallet. How you spend that dollar affects the food system. It supports farmers close to home. And that's all well and good, but where are we going? How do we get to our renewable energy moment, like the Green Movement did? And this, I think, is what we need to do. Just voting with our fork is not solving the issues that our farmers are facing. And so we need to do more than that. I believe we must move on from just voting with our fork to voting with our vote. We need to take our dollars and continue to spend them locally. We also need to show up at the ballot box for our farmers. This is bigger than just buying local strawberries once a year to pick your own. This is a year-round effort that we must make together to make the change we need. Changes like fair pricing for farmers. That sounds, that's quotas, supply management, guaranteed prices. Changes like fair and open trade. That means ending trade wars. And yeah, of course it means voting. Now, we all knew that one already, though. For example, it's working just this year in Minnesota. We passed a historic first-in-the-country tax credit, the beginning farmer tax credit. It incentivizes our transition of land from the existing generation to the next generation. That was done by a handful of us young farmers. We certainly don't have money. You saw that earlier. We don't have political experience. But we showed up, and we made our voices heard. And thanks to the support of farmers and non-farmers alike, we got something incredible done here in this state. If we can do it, anybody can do it. Now, I was all light and fuzzy and feels pretty happy. Skeptics in the audience. Skeptics are thinking, wow, what, what do we need to change about our food, our food system? Farmers are great. 
We have unlimited food, and it's real cheap, too. Isn't that great? Well, unfortunately, in the 80s and the 90s in this country, we went down a path of policy that could be described as get big or get out. And what get big or get out means is you maximize production while minimizing costs. On its face value, that sounds pretty simple. However, that shift turned our farmers from a venerated class and a valued class in our society into a cost to be minimized. That shift made it so that my great-grandfather, who supported the family with six cows, that same dairy trying to support their family has to be 600 cows today. 6,000 cow dairies are not unheard of. What happens when there's just one dairy farm in an entire county, where there used to be hundreds? The same could be said with corn or beans or field crops. What happens when it takes 10,000 acres for one person to support themselves? When it used to only take 40? We know what happens. We read about it in the news. Broadly determined rural decline, but schools close, schools consolidate, post offices close, grocery stores close. People leave, the community suffers and goes away. I believe all of us in this audience with ties to rural Minnesota know this story well. This is not a problem that we can solve with farmers' markets and good intentions. We have to do more for our farmers. Policy got us into this mess, and policy can get us out. American farmers are only getting older, fewer, and poorer, yet they're crucial to our state. They're the vibrancy in our rural communities. They're the drivers of economic growth and stability, and they're our shared, they're our best protectors of our shared resources of land, water, and air. So we have to do better for them. So join me, would you? Let's fight for our farmers. You can see it, we're already doing it in Minnesota, having great success. And together we can do even more, and we must. So, we were voting with our fork before, and we want to keep doing that. But if I could have one idea for you to go home with today, it's vote with your vote. And so to the end, on the count of three, I'd like all of us to say it together. Are you ready? Okay, one, two, three. Vote with your vote. <laughs> Very nice, thank you. I think you got it. <laughs>